What's up, Spellslingers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flitton. And I'm Corey Janabagi. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink. Beer up. Guys, we are back again with another episode. Today, we've got a special guest, because we're going to be talking about a couple things that this guy has done that we have not. What's He's kind of the today? resident expert. He's <laughs> I mean, in some ways more experienced than all of us. <laughs> so go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Michael Gardner. I'm from Idaho Falls. I knew all these guys growing up, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, Michael's one of Corey and mine's best friends. Uh, went to high school with him been playing magic with him since we all started playing magic basically uh he kind of brought in some of the the extra flavor that we've talked about previously first person to use board wipes in our group first person to use uh just a lot of the first person uh, actually fucking play magic yeah basically <laughs> exactly yeah. Uh, we had to step up to michael's game <laughs> yeah michael was like the first one to really make us kind of step up our game to figure out what it is to play magic as a group especially like our play group specifically yeah none of us used to really run removal and then Michael did, and everyone hated Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> but today, specifically, we're going to be talking about Magic Fest and GPs. So, specifically, we're going to be talking about Magic Fest Seattle, because that's the one that Michael attended, um, as well as GP Seattle. Imagine that. They go hand in hand together. But first, let's talk about some brews. So, it's been, I guess, months for us, but not so not so many months for you guys. I've been talking about the beers that I brought back from Oregon, and the one that I had that was the best beer of the trip, it was literally just too good to not be able to bring it home and the brewery doesn't actually do bottles and cannings normally instead i was able to get a growler which is you know the the mini growler with the uh can so the one i brought back was the sugar ace from seaside brewing co in seaside oregon uh went in stopped in there and they had a lot of good beers massive variety as far as what was on offer compared to literally every other brewery that i stopped in at every other place had shitloads of ipas you know hoppy beers they had a massive variety um, and had to bring back this one because it was just the best beer that we found. Yeah, it Drew, is, Drew hasn't shut up about this beer <laughs> for literal months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is a ginger blonde ale. Um, the ginger really comes through nice and subtly. It's not something that just punches you in the face like some other ginger beers or ginger beer itself. 32 full flavored ounces. Oh boy. Oh man. So this is a 4.5% ABV, uh, 25 IBU, so it's a little more bitter than some of the other stuff that we've had on the show. Um, I guess it's lighter than some of the IPAs we've had. Yep. Uh, but it's a, a well-balanced beer. So right off the bat, you do taste the ginger. Uh, it's actually quite a bit stronger than I remember. I guess when it was on tap there versus when it's been sitting for a while, that ginger's kind of brought in the powerhouse. Yeah, it, it smells like ginger, but it doesn't really have like that burn that ginger beer, like you were saying, it has. Yeah, it has that like sweet kind of taste to it yeah it's a lightly malty beer it's Weirdly beautiful enough it's kind of reminiscent like with the malty flavors of like rice and ginger when you're having sushi you know what i mean like not the sushi but just like that kind of that combo yeah damn that's good wow it's a nice clear gold color just slightly hazy yeah so michael you're not exactly the the, the biggest beer aficionado among us but uh, absolutely not <laughs> yeah i guess we should say what kind of beers do you like michael like uh, you haven't been drinking. You know, we all know you like liquor, <laughs> but I don't know. Do you like craft beers? I know you've been branching out, but uh, I've been trying to branch out. I like. I think my probably my favorite are probably sours. Or Hell yeah, dude! Or ciders. Yep. And Good just man. because we brought Michael on, that's kind of what this episode is themed around: is sour beers and just how I guess Michael is uh, joining the rest of us in the beer world. I'm definitely open to try new beers, though. Oh yeah, we get some weird. We've had. I think one bad one so far. I've, yeah, we've I've been, had a couple that I didn't love, but yeah. there was one that everybody was kind of like, eh. Yeah, we've but, been kind of fortunate on the show to actually have just genuinely good beers throughout the entire time, aside yeah, from the we'll one. keep mixing it up, trying to get stuff that everybody likes. And Corey, I brought for you the Paradise Pucker from Rogue. Yeah, so this is one's uh, Sour Ale, and it's from Newport, Oregon, like Drew saying, from Rogue. It's 6% ABV and 5 IBUs, as you would expect from a sour going in. So this one says it's brewed with passion fruit, orange, and guava. They've Mm. just thrown in every tropical fruit that they could think of. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, just smelling that one, I could tell that it was going to be right up course. The 
smell, you definitely have that sourness to it. It definitely smells like sour. You get a lot of the passion fruit up front and then sort of mellows out into the guava. So it's really, really fruity. It's a little tart, but it's really crisp. It's not like really, really sour because I, I like really, really sour beers, but it's it's got a good level of sour. So bark is worse than its bite. And it does have this nice kind of almost ambery color, uh, hazy. But it's it's fruity in a very tropical way. It's not typical citrus fruits. Guava, when I think of guava, I always think of like guava syrup as yeah. like a you know replacement for maple syrup. But that's not what that tastes like. It's no, not no. like a sweet. There's a, just a hint of guava at the very yeah. end. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I've been chasing down passion fruit sours for like five years now. I haven't found <laughs> what I'm looking for. That one's a little too sour for But you, right? yeah, it's too much too much of the sourness, not, not enough, enough of the, passion the, fruit. The, the yeah, the fruit flavors. The fruit flavors are there, don't get me wrong. It's just yeah. not what the front of the beer is. It's first and foremost a sour very much. Um, the beer that I've got here, gorgeous. We've got a North Coast Brewing Company Berliner Weiss. So it's a tart cherry Berlin white beer. Raining in at a hefty 4.1 ABV, and I called it before the show, zero IBU. It's literally the perfect beer that My I could have found for Gary. fucking beer. <laughs> yeah, boy. It's got an awesome clear bottle, so you can see how just red the whole yeah. beer yeah, is. It's almost like a it, pink orange kind of nice and yeah, clear it looks like a bottle of it wine. definitely has a tart cherry smell like to me tart cherries have like cherry but almost like a cinnamon kind of smell yeah. to them and the smell is like dead on tart cherry and the sour in that is way less than Corey's beer it's way less Ooh, tart that's fucking good it's it's like the perfect wine for me like it's that wine without the grape flavor so being from a family that has their own orchard and like does all of their own canning, things like that, the tart cherries that my family grows, when they're on their own and when they've been processed, they actually have this kind of cinnamon taste to them naturally. Like when we make the jam out of them, it comes through and I have no idea why. And that's exactly what it reminds me of. Like my parents could have made that and I would have known exactly the orchard that it came from. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a spiced cherry... Yeah, what? cider almost. Yeah, like it doesn't taste yeah, it, like a it, beer. It seems much closer to a cider than it does a beer. It, I think it tastes more like a cider than it does a sour as well. Um, I mean, I guess it's not technically labeled as a sour. It's a tart cherry white beer. The, white this ale. is sour adjacent, right? Mine's exactly. not a sour yeah. technically. Yeah, it's a sour tart. term, <laughs> but but like like we were saying, it's certainly less. It's much more tame than what you would think of as a sour. Yeah, it yeah, doesn't absolutely. have any like bite or anything. It's just chill. Yeah, it doesn't have that kind of vinegary kind of yeah, it's sourness. All, to it. This here flavor. is not a sipping beer. This is a keep it away from where I chug the whole <laughs> yeah. goddamn thing. Michael actually has been the best guest as far as just, he supplied his own beer. Yeah. I told him what, you know, what the guy. theme was. What I a... went in with him to, to go get some beers and he picked this one out. Tell us about it. So, uh, the beer that I picked was the Farmer's Reserve Blackberry. Uh, it's a sour blonde L. It's from the Almanac Beer Company. Uh, it's a six point nine percent ABV. Uh, the IBU is unknown though, so uh, yeah, we couldn't find that. So yeah, we were looking it up, and it's like a such a small. It's a batch limited. That they, limited. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's got a decent alcohol content one. though. It's barrel aged, right? Yeah. So this one, yeah, exactly. It's a, a barrel aged one. They take the the beer that they make the the blonde ale, and then they put it into wine barrels with blackberries. Oh, and yeah. that's how they get, I mean, the color, obviously. It's an uh, amazing color. The The smell on it is fantastic. It had, does have a very wine-esque smell. Yeah. Uh, going in. Yeah, you guys got to look at the pictures on this one, because that beer. It's like a all dark these red, really almost great. purple. Wow. That's delicious. I'm going in. It's very Blackberry-ish. <laughs> Yo, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> this one's good. I'm stealing this one. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> it kind of smells... Not like anything that I've ever smelled before. <laughs> to me, it it smells like a sour. Just like sour, but like with wine notes to it. But like, it, the taste. Ooh, yeah. I like this one a lot. Yeah, I probably shouldn't just be smacking so good. close to the mic. Damn, but. Michael. Pick my beer out next Ooh. time. <laughs> like Gary, and that is definitely not a sipping beer. Oh, yeah. That, I disagree. That's, that's something good. that I would want to sip at. I wanna, I would, I I'm like, just going to down the whole thing Yeah, I want to drink fast. that whole thing. <laughs> it's going to get it's gonna get dangerous real quick. This one's really tart. And yeah. so I think you, for most people, he probably would sip on it because, you know, you don't want a whole lot of it. I would. Oh, yeah. This. Since we love him. <laughs> oh well, the thing is, is that it doesn't taste like it doesn't taste like a normal sour to me. Right. It, it's tart, but not sour. Yeah. Good choice, Michael. God so, damn. gentlemen, we've got some brews. We've got our glasses filled. 
we're talking about Magic Fest. Specifically, Magic Fest Seattle, which Michael attended. Yeah, but before in, we get into like, the minutiae, we're going to talk about just Magic Fest in general, right? Describe right. what it is, what goes on there, just so that way, if you attend a Magic Fest, you'll know what to expect. Well, Drew, what is Magic Fest? <laughs> so... <laughs> So, Magic Fest are events that are hosted by Channel Fireball, which is one of the major cartellers and distributors around, uh, especially Central U.S. Um, they're originally called Grand Prix, uh, but they were renamed to include all of the side events, the artists, the meet and greets, things like that, uh, general commerce, and the non-competitive gatherings that happen there. Uh, basically, it's Comic-Con for Magic the Gathering. Yeah, like, it was more of a tournament, and now it's just a gathering of everybody. But it still hosts the, the GPs, the yes, Grand Prix. it still has all the good stuff. Yeah, so think of it as, as Comic-Con with tournaments that happens multiple times throughout the year and around the world, which is really awesome. Um, so the main event, as it's colloquially referred to as, is the Grand Prix, right? So it's a competitive REL, which is the rule enforcement level MTG tournament, right? It's it's the big one that we compete in. Um, so just before we talk about it in more in depth, it's just the things that you should remember about competitive rules enforcements is that you have to have regulated uh, card types in general. Have yeah, to be, didn't they... Uh, Make it so you can't use the spin down dice anymore too. Correct. They Correct. outlawed those. Yeah. Um, so basically, no additional items can be used aside from the actual cards and then counters that represent things only if something is specifically stated to put counters on it. Yeah. So that's loyalty counters plus one plus one counters. Buy all your tokens and stuff yeah. before. Um, it's up to you to remember your triggers. You can play something on top of your deck if you need to rem- remember a uh, like upkeep trigger, but that's literally the only thing you can do. You have to remember them on your own. Um, and I think kind of the most important thing, and Michael, you can uh, add to this, is that it's up to both players to keep track of life totals and when life changes. Um, bring a life pad or a notepad or something along those lines to keep track of both players' life totals. Um, you're not allowed to use your phone. You're not allowed to use spin down counters. Um, and to be frank, pen and paper is rarely going to fail you. Exactly. That's what they tell you at the thing. You cannot have the spin down dice, as Corey was saying. Uh, they said that you have to use a pen and paper. Can you use those cool like um, electronic notepads where you can, like press a button and it just automatically erases it? Yeah, that's that's what I use the boogie boards. Hell yeah, yeah. there you go. That's yeah. sick. Those <laughs> are the best. <laughs> um, so GPS themselves can be one of several formats: uh, limited, standard, or modern. Uh, it can also be legacy, but that one kind of pops up rarely nowadays. Uh, but oftentimes, these multiple GPS can be held at a single Magic Fest, correct? Uh, that's more rare. I think Vegas is usually the only one that has I was going to say, Vegas has standard and modern for sure. No. Modern Ve- and sealed. Yeah, is modern it, and limited. Is Vegas the, the big one? Vegas is the big one, yeah. yeah. And so Vegas is going to be the 22nd sense. to the 25th of August, so that's why this episode is coming out when it is. Um, but when you're doing these events, there are sometimes also team events that can be done, which Ooh. is super fun to watch, especially the pros when they do it. Uh, they get oh into God. day two, and, and <laughs> like it's just some of the most interesting magic because of, of what is required of them. I think it's just a lot of fun to watch. Um, so GPs are two-day tournaments that challenge players to compete for high-stakes prizes. They're Swiss-style events, which means that you play up to three games per match. Uh, you record your record determines who you're going to play in your next round, um, and you play a set number of rounds based on however many people are there or however many rounds are required of the event, and then the top X number of people are going to advance. Swiss-style? I'm more of a cheddar man. <laughs> Speaking of the top guys who get to advance... I know one. Dude's name is Michael. Made it to day motherfucking two, bro. <laughs> oh, shit. Ooh. Oh, man. So that's why we brought Michael on the show, because A, I've never been to a Magic Fest. Y'all? No? Only Michael. Uh, and not only that, but he day two'd, which is just so awesome. First of all, we're proud of you. Thanks, Hell dude. Yeah. We had a Snapchat feed going. Just oh, ever. yeah. I was literally <laughs> ch- chatting with my family about it. Nobody cared at all <laughs> except me. I was like, guys, Michael made it to day two. <laughs> And it just shows your prowess at magic. Ooh. Yeah. Before we, you know, brag too much about it, let's talk about what is actually required to get to day two. So for our limited events, it's again going to be a modified Swiss style. On day one, you're going to have sealed, uh, 50 minute rounds on those sealed rounds. Uh, and what you do is you register the sealed pool that you're handed and then you trade with someone else. Uh, and you're actually going to build from the deck that you're given that's already been registered. Um, and when you're registering, all you do is you basically just list the cards that are given in the pool. Right, Michael? Yeah, so you open up your pack, you show it to the person across from you, the cards in your pack, um, you give them that deck, they open up their pack, show you their cards, give you that deck, and you register each other's pool. So you're, you're basically opening each other's packs? No, so the packs, you're given the packs in front of you. Okay. 
and you open them up, fan them out, show them the rare, the uncommons. And then once you're done opening all those, you give them a cross. So that's basically to show you're not cheating and adding your own cards? Yes. Correct. Yes. Okay. So, but then you, you get your cards back to build your pool. Yes. So okay. you register each other's pools first makes and sense. then hand everything back. And you go through the sheet that they registered to make sure they didn't cut you on a card or add too many. And okay. Yeah, it's just a, a way to check and double check to make sure that yeah. everyone is playing fairly. The packs that you're given are all from the same set. You know, you're not somehow you know pulling in cards from random places or whatever uh it's just a, a way to make sure that everyone is playing on an even field which so, sealed is definitely like do the they one have like a checklist with every single card in the set yep and yes. it was like leafing through this like god you got all this random ass common <laughs> weight here at the back no so before you hand each other your decks they have you separate them into whites like the wooberg uh, colorless artifacts lands whatever okay. you have so it's easy and then the the sheet itself is separated. You got all your whites, your blues, your reds, your blacks, your greens. So it's you can go through it super quick. Oh, okay, yeah, it's super yeah, organized. That sounds way better than what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not like alphabetical. Yeah, it's like yeah. alphabetical. Like I don't know. Uh, I don't <laughs> care about this card. <laughs> but yeah, so basically trying to make sure it's as fair fair as possible, and that you know everything goes smoothly because you only have I believe it's thirty minutes to register decks, and then twenty minutes to build, or maybe the opposite. Uh, so I can't fully remember, but I think it was 30 minutes to register, 20 minutes to, to check and build. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, Jesus. like, people who are going to be doing these events are probably going to be people who, you know, go to pre-release and are kind of used to this sort of they environment. They know the set. Yeah. yeah. That so makes sense. It shouldn't hopefully take too long for you to build your deck at that point in time. You know, you've seen all the cards of the set. You should hopefully know what's going on. Um, so, you play... So, wait. Do you play that person, or is it just who's ever sitting across from you? No, you don't play that person. Okay, I was like, then you know every card in their deck. I was like, that's not fair. Yeah. No, <laughs> my sideboard is my main board. Yeah, so you have like your deck registration, your deck building, and then and then you just you have everyone gets sorted. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. And so you have eight rounds, just like you do in constructed events, um, and you need a six and two record, just like you do for constructed events, to make it to day two to make the cut, and then you'll have a ninth game on the first day uh, that'll start your record for day two, which is a draft, right? Yeah. So day two uh, is going to be a draft uh, with fresh boosters you're going to do it in an eight man pod and you're basically just going to draft the best deck that you can and you're going to do another swiss style uh set of matches 50 minute rounds and you're going to do six rounds which michael you have the experience here you said it's three for each draft that you did yes so draft three matches draft another set three matches so six rounds in total there seven rounds on day two record and your top eight players are going to advance so unfortunately michael you were not in top eight <laughs> dude it's your top eight Ooh, god damn <laughs> All right, so the top eight players are then going to go into another draft with more fresh boosters. Uh, it's going to be random seating, so that way you know there's not no bias for whatever reason. Uh, and then it's going to be a bracket-style event from there. Uh, best two out of three for your games with no time limit. No time limit. They, they want to make sure that the games that are played are going to be the best games that are possible. Like Obviously, right. you're going to play the magic that you can, and you're not going to like play slow or anything like that. So that, that way you're not playing prevent defense to make it to that end clock. Yeah. All right, hell no, dude. Take I need some refreshments. Some I'm gonna, respect. I'm gonna go back to, back to my beer. Um, yeah, oh Drew God. hyping up this Oregon beer sets it down. It's just this <laughs> aluminum, no, no uh, coloring, just aluminum gray silver can with just some black ink. Yeah, they don't do like mass <laughs> thirty two ounces. Yeah, you they can tell the brewery and just the crowlers are only only way you can get it out of. The brewery itself. Honestly, I've, sometimes that's how you know it's good because they haven't had to soup up some logo or some shit to make people. Yeah, you can like tell it's it. a limited run because the name of the beer and the information is literally just written on a sharpie or in, <laughs> in sharpie on the yeah. side. Like, dude, when I first saw somebody that, can, wrote that, I thought it was a steel reserve. I was like, <laughs> oh shit! Drew's <laughs> been talking of the steel reserve. I did nah. have a a Budweiser <laughs> way way back in the day. We didn't bring it on an episode, but I it was like a a Jim Bean aged we Budweiser. Did put it on an episode, didn't we? That. No, we drank it before. Yeah, we, did, we did a, a sacrificial beer, as yeah, it were, we were trying to figure out if... the beer gods, if oh, it was worth it. Yeah. It was not. It was, <laughs> it was a Budweiser. It was certainly a Budweiser. It was like a stronger flavored Budweiser. Yeah, I mean, it was It wasn't bad. It, it wasn't, it wasn't I, I will say that it wasn't bad. It wasn't fucking passion fruit sour beer. But. I will say, though, if we're going to start doing best beers, I think Michael picked out the winner. For reals. We've got some bangers here, though. So Drew was drinking the Seaside Brewing Ginger, Ginger Blonde. Blonde. I had the North Coast Brewing Company Berliner Weiss. It's tart, a tart cherry. Cherry white beer. Yeah. I had the Paradise Pucker from Rogue. And Michael's got that 
I've got that Farm Reserve the Blackberry f- Sour. Yes, the Farmer's Reserve Blackberry. That's the all Blonde Company, yeah. All right, it's a sour blonde ale, but that's been aged in wine barrels with blackberries. Like honestly, like that's a good fucking yes, go. Like I just like the language. bottle, dude. They got a hell of a design on here. Yeah, you can tree. tell that they care about that. Like the only thing that this is missing is the batch number, like to be like the last like little check mark. Yeah, you know. Right. All right, so Mike, we brought you on the show. Kind of ask you some. Questions here, if you don't mind. Of course. I thought you were going to say no. I was like, all right, <laughs> episode out. done. <laughs> thought That's a wrap. <laughs> so just to jump into it, uh, you went to GP Seattle, or sorry, Magic Fest Seattle. You played in the GP, played in the main event. Uh, what did you play? Um, as far as decks or like the Yeah, events? yeah. What did, you, what did you play in the GP itself? Uh, in the GP, I played Demir Ninjas. <laughs> Ninjitsu. So it was Modern Horizons. <laughs> yes, Modern Horizons. Was it a draft or was it the limited one? Both. Uh, or both. both. Just the GP. It's, uh, the GP yeah, was limited. But didn't you play a different deck each? Uh, round? No. <laughs> so, he actually dra- I remember him in the Snapchat. He's like, guys, I drafted Black Blue Ninjas. Yeah. Like, so in my yeah. limited, I played Black Blue Ninjas. <laughs> and then you in the draft, I played Black Blue Ninjas. <laughs> and what and about in your second draft? Second draft. Guess what I played? Did you really? Black Blue wow. Ninjas. Wow. That's impressive, honestly. <laughs> like to. Did you force it, or was it just actually came naturally? No, no one was drafting black or blue around me. Super weird, which didn't make much sense. Black blue generally is a pretty strong color pairing in general for draft, just because black you have your removal, blue you can play those control elements, have flyers, and with the ninjas, I think maybe that's what it is: is that black blue being the ninja tribe is kind of people don't really know what to make of that tribe. I think it's kind yeah. of one of the tribes. I think it's kind of an underplayed <clears throat> tribe. Yeah. A lot of, well, I think a lot of people are scared of it because it's got elements of, of both the trickiest parts of black and blue because the timing yeah. has yeah. to be perfect. You yeah, have and, to know when to make that. Yeah, and here. also like when it comes to the, the ninjas tribe specifically, like you have to have major payoffs in the ninjas, but you also have to have ways to get through unblocked damage, right? And so tell us about the deck that you're running. So during the Grand Prix... Day one, I black blue was just nuts for me. I had probably ninety percent of my creatures were ninjas. Damn, that's a pretty good break. Let's be real. Um, I had three of those unblockable ninjas and two of those changelings that couldn't be blocked. So getting through to hit the ninjutsu it didn't effect, seem too bad. If you have five creatures that can get through, that's, that's it. It good. wasn't too hard as far as getting my ninjutsu out, which made it kind of nice. Um, just like consistent. Yeah, yeah, because nobody wants to use a removal spell on a one drop. That yeah, the, the, especially block. that changing. It's it's one one can't be blocked or can't block as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And well, so that's especially kind of a, since it's a decision too. So when it's coming in unblocked, even the second round, you're like, this motherfucker's gonna ninjutsu. So you kill it, and they don't because of course, why would they hit that point? So now you really did feel like you wasted your removal on a one one because yeah. you kind of did. Uh, I also had a lot of those uh, slugs that had menace. Involved. Oh right, nice. Yeah, that was it's a O three for for one or two uh, no it was oh three for two i believe with menace was, was with it menace and evolve it, it was black yeah black with evolve mm. crazy modern horizons yeah, did some seriously. weird stuff and so it was always fun to swing in with a zero three because you can't block a menace with just one creature and so <laughs> so they had like, that make bounce like, proper slug. decisions yeah yeah they could either bounce the slug try to kill it waste the removal and so they always knew okay an oh three slug <laughs> here comes a ninja what is it and so it was yeah, a lot of fun. Especially if you have other, like something else that goes unblocked as well. And you get the ninjutsu trigger off. And then because of the evolve, the slug is also going to get powered up. So even though they couldn't block the slug, whether they want to or not, a zero all of a sudden just became a one four and starts to punch in actual damage. And that starts to yeah, matter. Yeah, that seems like a, a very hard to fight deck. If you keep bouncing all your shit back and they can't do anything about it. So this is so low to the ground and low CMC. No one wants to waste their spells on that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was definitely a lot of fun. And you can see people were definitely frustrated with it. <laughs> they were like yeah, sideboards, like, what the fuck do I do? <laughs> Basically bringing all your move on all your like your low drops that can block the, the slug. Otherwise, yeah. like you can't block the board. That, that doesn't matter, right? Yeah, yeah that's so, awesome. Yeah, having to race a ninjutsu deck seems kind of scary because you don't know what they're going to pull exactly. out. You're not sure what ninjutsu effects are even going to pop out because uh, they were all different, all crazy. Um, Damn. So besides the GP, did you play in any side events? Did you go visit Artist Alley, check out, get some merch? Uh, yeah. So when I first got to GP, uh, I actually played mainly side events because the GP didn't start till, I believe, day three. So day one and two was just all about the side events. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. I mean, 
This is a super loaded question because I look at you and you've got the Mowu shirt. Of course. So he's got swag <laughs> from the event. Yep. <laughs> so obviously you were playing some more of the Spark. It was just barely released, right? Uh, no, it'd been out a while. I only played one War of the Spark event. Um, Draft or sealed? Uh, it was uh, sealed. It was uh, the format was you played one game. That's was it, it. Two out of three. <laughs> wow, is it just a blitz? Yeah. Well, yeah, basically. And there was eight rounds. Only one game each round. Damn. That's crazy. <laughs> it was wild. How'd you do? Uh, I don't remember. I went like three and six. Like I didn't, or three and four. I didn't really say he's cheating. He's playing extra games. Three and five, whatever <laughs> adds up to eight. But it was. Wasn't the best. It wasn't not, the best. Not your best deck. That was you just getting all your your practice in. Yeah, it, it was towards the end of the day. All the other events were like closing down, and I figured oh, I'll just jump in this one, and it was a lot of fun. What other side events did you? Do? Uh, my very first one I did was a chaos draft. Oh, and <laughs> that was definitely a wild experience. Do you remember what packs were going around? Uh, in my packs, I had an Eternal Masters, okay, uh, nice. Cons of Tarkir, and a War of the Spark. Nice. Ooh, damn! So. Potential power level yeah. in there is pretty high. There's some good things, good drafts. <clears throat> yeah, my buddy actually played an event. Uh, it was a Modern Horizons draft. And the dude opened up his first pack. He had a foil sword and a sword. And he got up and said, I'm walking away. I'm done. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and I was like, cool. <laughs> Fair enough. That'll ruin the draft for everyone else. But I guess if you open money. Sometimes you take That's money. what I would worry about with like a chaos draft because there's so many different. I mean, you might just hit Nemercool or some crazy shit and be like, "Well, I'm not gonna play it, but I'll take it home." Thanks, boys. Yeah, in my in my chaos draft, I opened up and there was a bloodstained mire and another foil rare. I don't remember what the foil rare was, and I was like, I don't know if it's worth money, but fetch lands are good. Yeah, I was like, good. I can't, they, I can't pass up this fetch land. They'll never Honestly, be fetches bad. Are, are still going to be good in draft. I was yeah. gonna say, at least at that point, you know, you probably are gonna use it. Yeah, yeah. so that's good. Uh, what about artists and stuff? Did you go touring artist alley? Yeah, I feel like when I wasn't playing any draft or anything, or waiting between rounds, I was always just over there exploring the artist alley. So on our way here. Uh, I brought Michael, surprised Corey and uh, Gary in here with this episode. Uh, you said that your kind of biggest regret was to not actually get stuff from Artist Alley. Yeah, I spent so much time just looking, and I, I told myself, I was like, oh, maybe I'll buy some tokens, but I never did. And if you guys ever go, you have to buy tokens. Yeah, because they can do custom tokens for you, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. And just every artist there has their own take on tokens, and oh, their artwork God. is just so Gorgeous. Yeah. I'm going to go to everybody and ask for a goblin token. <laughs> Can I get a goblin? <laughs> I need one each of you. Get it autographed. <laughs> Those are the yeah. only ones I'll ever use again. Yeah, that's the other thing is that you can get autographs. You can get, you know, your you card, card signed. signed. Oh, that'd oh, be yeah. Because yeah, like, imagine what? a history of Banalia signed by yeah. Noah Bradley. Yeah. I will say, though, don't be that guy that brings like 50 cards from your favorite artist. Right. Have them <laughs> right. Like, like, okay. It's like, yeah, just pick your favorite. Yeah. Damn. No, the thing is, like, some of those artists don't care because a lot of the artists, like, charge you for a signature. So they're like, all right, 50 cards. Sure, dude. That's, that's they figured it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to some degree, like autographs from like a baseball player or something like that. I think it's dumb when they ask for money, but like especially at a an event like that where they're sitting there all day basically for that purpose to like meet you and sign your shit and talk to you. Like, I'm totally cool paying like five bucks for an autograph. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it wasn't like, even that much. It's maybe like a dollar or two. Yeah, oh. that's that's kind of what I figure. It's like yeah. a couple bucks for it. And I think, I mean, I mean, I let Noah Bradley, but like. Teresa Nielsen obviously would be just incredible. Yeah. Uh, Victor Adame has some really good art. Get the Shalai sign for sure because that would be so incredible. I just know that the guy that made the new Soul Ring was the guy that made the first Soul Ring. Really? They had a big interview about it and they're like, hey, dude, we want something like new and refreshing, but also a callback to your original Soul Ring. And he's just like, whip this shit up. They have like a, awesome. an interview and like all of his sketches and stuff. Super dope. One of the things I would like to get is just artist <clears throat> proofs. Yeah. Because that would just be. I mean, I'd like to get a bunch for the set when we go video, but yeah. I mean, I'm spending hundreds of dollars. <laughs> hey, that's way, yeah. way. All right, we, we can talk about this, <laughs> yeah. this stuff forever, but Michael, I asked you to kind of bring out the best and worst moments that you had at Magic Fest, right? Uh, the kind of stressful or intense moments, the ones we're going to talk about here first. Uh, the said highlights. That, yeah, exactly. You said that you had a judge called on you on two <laughs> separate occasions. Those damn ninjas. <laughs> it was two separate occasions, but for the same thing both times. <laughs> okay, so... Cheating. Go into it, all right? Straight so up. One of them, you said, was actually in the GP. Yeah, so the first time I got called on was just a side event. Okay. It was uh, the second day of Magic Fest. It was... We were literally the last event going on. 
and I'm pretty sure me and my opponent were the last people so playing. So you were the finishers of the day. And yeah, the we judges were, just like, no, finish. <laughs> no, yeah, we were good the, enough. Go. We were the finishers, and we were playing our deck. Uh, it got to the end of round or game two, and we just had massive board states. We had to- tokens galore, and we finished that game. Moved them off to the side. Go to game three. Uh, we're in the middle of game three, and we had spectators around us. And one of the spectators, I guess, went and I looked up and he was talking to one of the judges. And I was like, what is this guy doing? And he's pointing over at me. And I was like, what the hell does this guy want with me? That's like, that's got to be that oh shit yeah, moment. Like, oh, it, was, no. it was kind oh, of an no. oh shit moment slash what the hell did, did, did I say something to your opponent's this best guy? friend? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and guy. so we <laughs> kept, I kept playing the game. Next thing I know, the judge is walking towards me and I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, that's, that's the oh shit <laughs> that's moment. The oh shit moment. <laughs> yeah. And the judge is like, where is it? And the random bystander points to the pile of tokens. And I was like, what are you, what do you want? And I look and one of my cards is laying off to the sides. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) So you were playing with an illegal deck. Yeah, it was technically an illegal deck. And so I told her the situation, how we had a lot of tokens, shuffled everything off to the side. I forgot to put a card in. And the judge is like, well, do you know your next couple of cards. Did you scry or anything? And I was like, no, haven't played any of that. I don't know the order of my deck. And luckily the judge was like, all right, I'm just going to shuffle it back in and issue a game warning, basically issue a warning. But I was like, okay, luckily nothing else happened. For game three of the last game. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that actually brings up like a really kind of important point, which is this reminder that it's okay to have a judge called on you. And it's okay for you as an individual to call the judge. Right. And like for me, I think it's better that you are the one to call the judge than it is, you know, your opponent for something that you made a mistake for. Right. Uh, Judges aren't there just to punish people. Like Michael said, they can issue, you know, just simple game warning. Right. If you have a game violation or a real state violation, they're not there just to punish people. They want you to make sure that you're playing as much magic as you can and that they have to interfere as little as possible. Um, They're just trying to make sure yeah they just make sure everything's fair everyone has an equal chance to do as best yeah. as they can they're not and, there to fuck on people yeah and like looking at what is required from a judge because i've done a lot of stuff trying to become a judge and a lot of what judges do is just clarify rules for people like that's like their main job for reals yeah um and i think something that a lot of people don't think about is that it's okay to call a judge on yourself and if you think you've made a mistake better to do that than to wait a few turns later have your opponent make that call and then kind of have that error, you know, presented from that negative stance rather than yeah, I think it feels I like an up. accusation instead yeah. of, hey, am I doing this right? Is this yeah. okay? So the second time you got called, it was for the same thing. Like you'd shuffled it in with your tokens, you, basically. Yeah. Or? So the second time was actually during the Grand Prix. And it was uh, game two, same thing. Game two, shuffled everything. We had a big board state, tokens, shuffled everything to the side. It was in the middle of grand, game three. Uh, my opponent killed a token and I put the token off to the side and I saw my card. And I instantly thought, I'm fucked. (laughs) And so I grabbed the card and I was like, hey, look, what do you want me to do with this? Do you want me to put this in the graveyard? And he's like, "Uh, we need to call a judge. Yeah, that's the correct, I, correct yeah. Call. It was the correct thing to do, but I was thinking, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, damn it, we could have been cool. We I got cool. caught. <laughs> so they called the judge over, and the judge is like, I got to go talk to someone about this. And I was like, well, <laughs> this is your second time, you <laughs> so much. Well, this is a different day, right? Different day, different judge, different, different day, different judge. Yeah, different day. Who's that same lady? You'd be like, oh, you. And uh, so I was talking to my opponent. I was like, dude, I told him the situation. I was like, dude, you know, we both had a huge board state. Like, this is an accident. I didn't purposely put a card out there. And he's like, obviously, it's one of your best cards. <laughs> and I was like, exactly. So I'm guessing it was the ninja that makes copies of itself? or No, it was actually the goblin that makes two other goblins that you can sack and ping for oh, potentially the, three okay. damage yeah. Yeah. and gain three life. The black goblin? Yeah, it's a black one that makes red goblins. Yeah. yeah. And so the we're sitting there waiting, and I'm just talking to my team, or my opponent, and I'm like, bro, you're probably going to get this win. I'm sorry. I promise I wasn't cheating. He's like, oh, dude, it's no big deal. Just... You know, got to clear everything up with the judges. And luckily the judge came back, asked me the same question. Do you know the order of your deck? And I was like, no, I haven't scried or anything. And he's like, have you been issued any warnings? And I was like, no, not during the Grand Prix. (laughs) And he's like, all right, fair enough. Um, And he did the same thing. He just shuffled it back to my deck. And I was like, 
I was like, thank God. <laughs> God see, that annoys me because, like, you're not lying by any means. No. I was like, ugh, you have, just not today. <laughs> but honestly, guys, like, you don't know fear until you get a judge called on you during a Grand Prix. When you travel to a different state <laughs> for we'll a talk tournament. about knowing fear on our last one here, but uh, in round one of the GP, you lost your first game. Oh, I got shit on. Yeah. <laughs> and then in game two... Of that, of that round, you had to mulligan down to five, but your opponent kept seven. Oh, yeah. It was, I thought I was screwed. Drew my five cards, and it just was a golden hand. This was before London. Correct? Yes, yeah. correct. So I had to mulligan down to five, and I had that, that ninja that makes copies of itself. And I was able to get it out, ninjutsu it in turn three or whatever the ninjutsu it was and he couldn't put out a creature till turn five. Oh snap wow, so you just ran away with yeah, that yeah so i was just swinging in with this ninja yeah because when it deals damage it makes an exact copy of itself so those copies also make copies yeah so it just gets oh, out of hand God. so <laughs> fast it got out of hand real quick and then just probably just ran away with that game he was probably wondering what happened yeah he, he was you could he just he was smiling every like, time i mulligan you could see it in his eyes that he was so confident he was gonna win oh, yeah. like to be in a competitive event and to see your opponent mole is like one of the best things because oh. it increases your odds drastically yeah it always hurts having to take a mulligan it's, even just at a limited like pre-release just like oh yeah. man but you won that you won I that, did I, the full round. Yeah, and Sorry. we went to game three, and same thing. I got the the, God the ninja again, and just kept swinging in, and Shit. just run away with it. The uh, dude was definitely frustrated. You could <laughs> see it in his eye. But I was like, "Sorry, bro, good game. <laughs> Gonna go report. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out." Time to talk Bye. about the actual just fear in your eyes. Round getting to round eight of the GP, right? So your last match, obviously, you're trying to make it to day two. Yes, right, and so. How'd you do it? Like, what was that? What was going through your head? Uh, so I started off two and two, and I had to win four consecutive to go six oh, and shit. two. And I was like, there's no way. But somehow I kept winning and winning. And I kept reporting to you guys, like, dude, I won another round. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was our, like it was a super exciting chat, night. Just like, oh, shit, Michael's keep going. <laughs> and I was like, I can't let my boys down. <laughs> yeah, Michael just continually. Because, like, I'm in a different chat with Michael than these guys are. And so it was just. I get the chat and then I send it to Corey and Gary. I'm just like, you guys see this? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's in the group chat. It's in the group chat. Just like, next one comes in. Yeah, he's going. It he's literally going. was like FDR radio time, dude. I was so stoked. He's like, Michael, tell me what you got. What you got? He's like, I'm six and one. I made it to day two. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And so uh, round the round eight where I was five and two, I was I played against this guy and I was scared. It was actually a kid. And at this point, you're it, because it's Swiss, he's also at a similar record. So you know it's not just some chump. Yeah. Right? It, it was it was kind of funny, though, because it was a little kid, and he comes <laughs> up, and he's like, I am so excited. I've never made it this far. And you're just like, I'm going to stomp you into the ground. <laughs> and boy. I was like, good <laughs> luck, that, dear. Or it's just like, this kid is going to knock me out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to lose to a yeah. kid. That's the thing. I was like, if I lose, I couldn't tell everyone I lost to like a six-year-old. <laughs> so I was like, shit, I got to win this. <laughs> and like, it was just terrifying because... If you lose any this, wrong you, mistakes, yeah, that's any it. wrong mistakes, you can't make a mistake or you're screwed. <laughs> but we played our rounds, and it was the round game one. Both games, it was only two games, but both games were close. We were playing mirror decks to each other. Nice. And so our life totals, I think, I think I ended with three life the first game, damn, and like five life the second game. So it was, it was definitely a nice grind. They were going back games. and forth match. And the kid, you could tell, I thought he was going to cry when I beat him. Oh, so I hurried up and said, good game, shook his hand, had him sign the paper and got out of there before I saw the waterworks. Damn. Uh, <laughs> Poor kid. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about Dana Fisher once on the show. She's, I think, the youngest person ever day two. She's like eight or something like yes, that. Ridiculous. Kid just is insane. Um, I mean, so, that little kid made it further than ever. We made it to Magic Fest. We haven't even gotten there. Yeah, we actually it's haven't true. even made the drive. <laughs> Um, so obviously that was one of your st more stressful events, but obviously that's got to be one of your best moments, right? Just making day two, going from a two and two record, you have to win every single game from there on out, right? Yes. You're only allowed to lose two period. Basically, if you want to make it to day two, you just got to take that grind all the way. Honestly, dude, if I'm zero in one, that first game, like, <laughs> you <fuck."> give up. <laughs> I wouldn't give up, but I mean, I mean, the hopes are gone. I'm like, well, it was fun. <laughs> I made it here. I'm in Seattle, I guess. <laughs> My buddy though, he played in an event the day before the Grand Prix. That if you go four and zero, oh, you get two buys for it. Oh, what? And he won for it. the GP. Yeah, and Shit. he won it. 
and then lost the next three. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, poor Joe. You had such a good start, man. Yeah, he did. He started off really good, like the first couple of days, and then the Grand Prix just didn't have anything in his pool. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been there. Happen, yeah, it yeah. just happens. Yeah. It's the variance that comes with magic sometimes. All right, so obviously that's got to be like your top moment, right? Making today too. But you all said that just being at Magic Fest was just one of the highlights of your trip. Oh, Magic Fest is probably the highlight of my summer. Ooh. Like, if you guys get an opportunity to go to a Magic Fest, I strongly encourage clear your schedule and go. <laughs> um, one of your other <laughs> top, you know, notes that you have here for me was that you just got to sit around for a bit watching top level players play Magic. Yeah, it was wild. People pulling off shit like that I'd never think of. Just combos, things I didn't see. So did you get to watch the top eight? Um, I had the opportunity, but I didn't stick around and watch the top eight. But I watched a lot of the rounds. Like when you did drafts, I'd always watch the people that made it to the finals of the drafts or or the, the Richmond Invitation. I think it was Richmond Invitation. They had a, a mythic qualifier right. that had the opportunity to qualify for some big event in somewhere in Virginia. I don't remember I don't remember where it was, but I sat around and watched some people play that and the I watched the qualifiers for the next day of that and just watching these high-level magic players just just blow your mind. Blow my <laughs> mind with these different moves that I've never thought of. So just a uh, an overwhelming learning experience. Yeah, and I thought like watching them I'm like holy shit like I'm going to get shit off. <laughs> but it, I don't know. It's, I definitely walked away from this Grand Prix with a lot more confidence in magic. I would say yeah. like your attentiveness to specific rules has also changed. Like before, I mean, we're all still fairly casual. Like we yeah. compete when we want to and when we need to. Uh, but you are a lot more like cognizant of specific rules and rules interactions than you were before making sure that, you know, if somebody forgets their triggers, that it's on them to remember their, their own triggers, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember way, way back when we first started going to pre-releases and, like, my opponents would say, I'm moving to combat. So I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Just <laughs> say you're going to attack. Like, I don't care if you're moving to combat. Yeah, like, announcing all of your steps. And now and that's, like, I can't not do yeah, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just to announce all those, basically, like, priority rules. Yeah, changes just, and things like that. Yeah, it's something that... All those timings. Yeah, it's something that I guess we kind of take it for granted now. But, yeah. like, back then it was kind of like, yeah, that obviously like you're gonna attack like that's what comes after your main phase i know that i'm an i'm an idiot and i know that all right so michael what's the take home for us go to a gp i think (laughs) (laughs) takeaway is i definitely walked away from magic fest as a more confident player and i would definitely suggest going it'll help your confidence it'll boost your game get you to that next level yeah it definitely seems to be worth not just the cost but like the time investment that it takes um for Vegas specifically, uh, it's going on when the commander set is being released. So they actually have like a commander night, basically that they're doing there. There's like yeah, the commander celebration. I think they're doing like a live uh, command zone yeah. at that. Yeah. So there's probably I, mean, I believe commands, I think Boating Ready Run do uh, a podcast usually when they're yeah. there as well. There's a lot of like big names in Magic yeah. as well as just like big names in the Magic content creation universe. Yeah, just the experiences. Sounds ten yeah. out of ten. And playing with you know different people, playing you know new environments, just playing to, just playing to play, just playing to have fun, yeah. right? Doing yeah. what everyone wants to do. And at. I think that's the best part about like commander decks. Just as a as an aside, is the hundred cards just makes every game just so variable. Yeah. Unless you're playing a combo deck, obviously, yeah. but high variance decks are definitely <sighs> what Magic is all about. Especially the pre counts. <laughs> Sorry, going back to like when you're talking about the. The getting a judge call on you. I actually had a game in the Grand Prix, a match in the Grand Prix, where my opponent got uh, a game loss oh, because shit. of a judge. Well, what didn't get called on him, but the judge, I guess, caught him not having a valid deck. Oh right. shit! Really? Yeah. So it was actually a funny story. So what happened is, it was round five, I believe. We were both two and two, and so I just realized that you said. It was round five, not it was around five. It was around five PM and we were you know, <laughs> on a, sipping on a brisk our, Seattle morning. Yeah. <laughs> sipping our tea. Yeah. No, but it was round five and before we started our round, uh the judge comes up to you us, me and my opponent, and said, Lucky for you guys, you get the random deck check. Oh shit. <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah. God deck damn. checks are a thing. And I was like, Okay, cool. I haven't sideboarded the whole turn time I've been here. So I was like, I packed up my stuff, gave it to him. And my opponent, you could see the fear in his eyes. He's like, 
<laughs> oh shit. Like he stole something. He looks scared and he's about to get caught. So he shuffled his stuff, gave his deck to the the judge, and I'm just sitting there casually like, this is dumb. Why are you wasting, wasting my time? time? Why are you yeah. wasting my time? And my opponent is like, he, his hands are shaking. I could see him shaking. And he was, I could tell he was scared. The judge comes back and he's like, said, you guys are good to go. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> so we played game one. one. I won game one. He won game two. Uh, game three comes around. We're in the middle of game three. And the judge comes back over and says, hey, I need to borrow your opponent for a second. So I was like, God damn it. We don't have much time left. <laughs> yeah. So he yeah, brings my opponent off. He brings my opponent off to the side and they're talking. And my com- opponent comes back, sits down and we start playing again. Judge walks away. Comes back two minutes later and he's like, sorry, I need to bring your opponent <laughs> one more time. What the hell? And I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's fine. And they go and talk and the judge comes back and says, uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, your opponent actually has a game loss. And I was I was thinking deep down, like, oh, fuck yes. Because <laughs> I, I was probably going to lose that round. My board state was shitty compared to his. And I was like, all right, uh, sorry about that opponent. Shook his hand, walked away. Five minutes later, I found the judge. I was like, yo, bro, like, I didn't pay you anything. What's up? <laughs> and I was like, why did you DQ him? And I thought you deck checked us. And he said, well, there's 1,300 entries or something like that of deck entries, and we couldn't find his. And I was like, so how did he have an invalid deck? He said, well, I checked what he had in his deck that he gave me, and I asked him if he had a picture of his deck, deck list. And he, and luckily my opponent did, showed the judge, the judge compared it, and there, I guess there was a couple cards off, and so he gave him a game loss. Damn. Wow. So I guess one thing to, to note on this is that the deck that you register, you register your deck and also the sideboard with it, and so the deck that you start with, every single, like your first game has to be the original deck that you register. Yes. Really? So yes. if he's like mixed in part of his sideboard and hasn't like de-sideboarded basically, then you can get a game loss from that. And so I'm assuming that that's probably what yeah. happened. Uh, or maybe he was just legitimately cheating and you got off with a lucky break. I don't know. I think unlucky. he was legitimately cheating because you could tell he was scared when he was getting <laughs> that deck check. Like, you could see the fear in his eyes. Weird. And I was like, oh, Random man. deck check. About to get to Big quotes game on this. But Shit, dude. That's... That... So when you get a, a game loss, is it just... A... Is that like another warning to the tournament? Like, hey, this is a game loss. Don't do it again. Or is he out of the tournament? Well, since that was, that was, we were both two and two. That was game three. He got the game loss. He was two and three. Couldn't qualify for the next day. But But, had that been his second game loss? uh, It it kind of goes on like a a system. Just like, if that's his second like game loss because of like a significant rules violation, then he could just be straight DQ'd. But if it's just like a game loss in general, then it's just like, okay, you, you've messed up. This is the mistake. This is how you correct it. One game loss isn't a just DQ from the tournament, usually. Like, it could be. Right. Well, I meant like if that was his second loss of the bracket that he got DQ'd, does that take him out of the tournament? Or if he does gets he have DQ'd, the opportunity? he's done. If he gets just a game loss, then that's, that's a game loss. Like, he's best of three. A game loss is not necessarily even losing the match. You could still come back from that. Yeah, they'd probably be like, Even if hey, it's for a rules here's violation. your deck list, make this deck, and then you keep playing. Okay. But since it was his third loss, he's like, well, I'm out anyway, so yeah, fuck no. this shit. Yeah, he's pretty pissed about it. I mean, I'm not a judge, so I can't really like give hard rules. Things yeah, sure. Uh, but it's just like, there's so many things that go around winning, losing, game loss violations, or sorry, game rules violations that result in losses. Like, there's just a lot that could have happened that we we don't know about like we weren't there we don't know what right, the judge call yeah. was specifically like if he didn't have the right deck it could be because he didn't sideboard it could be because he's cheating like okay. yeah i'm sure there's a lot of different things that could happen yeah. like sense. if he's just straight cheating then you know it's a game loss not necessarily like a match loss it's not like you're disqualified banned like, from the city yeah like you could just straight up be banned from playing during the rest of magic fest like that is a thing that can probably happen well, we've kind of <laughs> gone on a random tangents. I mean, that was, that was a really good no, anecdote. I, 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 I like it. it. I, I think that it kind of brings in just play, play fair magic. Like if you're there to play magic, play fair magic. Don't try and cheat. Yeah, them. obviously we're all there trying to win whenever we play magic, but don't ruin the experience you're playing for everybody. A game. You're there to have fun. You're there to have a nice experience. So is everyone else. Don't ruin it for other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Michael, for those stories. Uh, 
Really appreciate you coming on the show. It really is nice to have a guest, obviously a good friend, uh, to join us. Uh, we're going to have Michael back here, hopefully soon. Uh, we're going to be talking about alternate wind cons when Ooh. you're back on. Uh, something that we've talked about time and time again. Anytime alternate wind cons comes up, <laughs> Michael's name just is thrown into the mixture. Uh, Gotta love him. Apparently, yeah. you're just the, the alt wind con guy. Dude, he I can't is. win regularly. Tricky bastard. <laughs> Clearly, like he has to have a judge help him out. <laughs> you right. got to get this guy DQ'd. <laughs> That's how I win, boys. Hell yeah. Um, of course, we want to remind everyone, if you're drinking along with us, you know, be safe, be responsible. Don't drink if you're underage. Don't drink and drive. Like, yeah. We want you to be safe. Let's just have fun. Let's be responsible. So we've been drinking some really delicious beers. Today was a home run for all four of these brews. Yeah, I brought back some good ones from Oregon. I guess technically not all of them were strictly from Oregon, but uh, so, Michael won one beer of the show, I think. With beer his, of the oh, show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His choice. Yeah. Yeah. The Beauty of Marcellers in Idaho <laughs> Falls. Represent. Yeah. Shout, Shout out. Shout out. Them out a lot Sponsorship. Too. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, but I mean, we're always looking for new stuff from out of state, from out of country. If you guys have some ideas of what we should be drinking, absolutely hit us up on twitter facebook instagram we're on pretty much all the platforms at uud podcast or untap upkeep drink on yeah instagram. and like Corey said at the beginning of the show like check us out on youtube you'll see the color of the beer yeah, check out the these- the cards that we have anything that we named we're going to be showing on screen so check those yeah. out yeah, you can see all the cool labels you'll see a picture of michael in his mowu shirt figure out who he is mowu <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but thank you so much, Michael, for coming on. This is this was a fun episode. Yeah, it was. this is like my small insight to Magic Fest. Today. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been fun. I figure we're probably not qualified exactly just to talk about it. Like I can give you all the details, but yeah. I've never been. So oh yeah, we can ramble on about random shit, but this is something that none of us have ever even I mean, done. I don't know that we have to say it again, but. If you can make it to Vegas, absolutely get your tickets as soon as possible. Yeah. Head on out there and play some fucking Magic Boys. Yeah, if you're in the area, all you about. Know, California, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, I don't know. Anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Just if you think it's worth the trip, it probably is. Like, yeah. go out and enjoy. Like, you're going to be inside, so get away from the desert heat anyways. Yeah. Like, no one wants to be in there. <laughs> um, but guys, it's been a ton of fun talking about Magic Fest. And uh, as always, have fun, but not too much. <laughs>